I thought, uh, although the message today is not going to really be about uh, our country's birthday, I wanted you to hear something. Some of us had to study this in school and memorize this, and uh, there are some strange things going on in our country right now in relation to our founding. The reason we celebrate Independence Day on July 4, 1776 is because that's when the Declaration of Independence began to be signed. Our country was not founded in 1619 upon slavery. Our country was founded in 1776 upon freedom. Now let's be honest, not everybody was free right away. Women couldn't vote. And there were slaves who were brought over from Africa and were not permitted to have any freedom until almost 100 years later. And this is not okay. But the reason why women vote and hold political positions of office and the reason why uh, the, the slaves were set free and now uh, are hopefully treated as well as anybody else in this country, not treated as property or slaves or anything like that. If that's because of the principles that this country was founded on. Early on, we didn't live those principles out. And today, it could be said that at certain points, we don't always live those principles out. But the principles are still there, yes? yes. They're there. Otherwise, you would have a completely different country than we currently have. This is why many people from other parts of the world would love to come here and be a part of this great American experiment. This is the preamble to the Declaration of Independence. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. That whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or abolish it and to institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. Well, that's half of the preamble. Those are principles upon which this nation is founded. And I, for one, am grateful. Are you? Yes. yes. Okay. Um, so our message today, uh, we have been looking at the churches in Revelation. So Revelation chapters 2 and chapters 3 are not focused on the future. There were uh, really seven churches that Jesus wanted to address at that point in time. But they're typical churches, or we could say archetypical churches. In other words, you're probably going to find your church, your community in these churches, and Jesus had a message for each of them. The message started off with the church in Ephesus, which uh, we talked about a couple of weeks ago. And if you recall, I uh, mentioned to you that the Apostle Paul spent two up to three years ministering in Ephesus, had a tremendous ministry there, and he warned the people of Ephesus, there are going to be wolves that are going to come in. There are going to be false teachers that are going to come in. And thankfully, by the time uh, the Apostle John receives this message uh, to the church at Ephesus, and this is uh, some 40 years after the Apostle Paul ministered there, uh, John was the last one, the last uh, apostle to die. In fact, he was the only one who was not martyred. But he was exiled on this island for a while, and that's where he received this book of Revelation. And he received these messages to the seven churches in Asia Minor, as I mentioned to you before. That is uh, present-day Turkey, uh, all around in that area. And to the church in Ephesus, 
the Lord Jesus said, I know your deeds and your toil, your perseverance, that you cannot tolerate evil men, that you put to the test those who call themselves apostles and they are not, and you found some to be false. And you have perseverance, and if you, you have endured for my name's sake and have not grown weary. So he commends them first. But then he says something that although I preached this two weeks ago, I want to say to you, I want you to pay attention. I want you to ask yourself this question. But I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Who's your first love? In time, your first love was likely your mom, maybe your dad, maybe some other caregiver. But our first love and priority, if we believe in Jesus, is Jesus. Amen? So the question I asked you two weeks ago is, do you love Jesus? Because see, that's where this all kindles. That's where it all starts. And then we moved on to, um, we moved past a couple of churches there in Revelation uh, chapter 2 to the church in Sardis. And this is in Revelation 3. And he says, I know your deeds, that you have a name that you are alive, but you're dead. Wake up and strengthen the things that remain, which were about to die, for I have not found your deeds completed in the sight of my God. And I really think that that is a message to many of us. You got started. You did something at the beginning. You began your faith. But you know, I just see a whole lot of people just drifting away and drifting off. It's not that important anymore. You're still doing what you, you know, were supposed to do by and large. That's that, I think that's the message to our church from Ephesians 1. But I think some of us are really not so in love with Jesus anymore. And I think that maybe that message could be a very pointed message to us. You have a, you have a, a name as a Christian of being alive. You have a name, life well. But are you dead? Are you spiritually numb? Shake it awake. You need to get up and do something about this, right? So he says in verse 3, remember what you have received. See, that's the first thing you got to do. You got to go back. You got to remember where you were. What did God say to you? If there's nothing to remember, you need to get saved now because that means you never were saved to begin with, right? So go back to that point where you first started to drift. Go back to that first message that you began to rebel against and push against. Or maybe it's been so long that you've drifted for so long. You've got to go back to a time when you know, and you can't go back to the time, but you've got to remember when you have that very, very, uh, a live relationship with Jesus. He says, remember what you've received and heard and keep it and repent, have a change of heart. And then he threatens them. He says, if you don't wake up, I'll come like a thief and you will not know at what hour I will come. Now this week, there are two other churches that I want to look at. I wanted to remind you of this because I think that this is a message for us. It's a message to me. And I want you to understand these are not just I'm just coming up with sermons so that I can just deliver sermons to you. I think that this is what the Lord is saying to us, to Lifewell Church, and to those, by extension, those that are, that are joining us online. Uh, you may consider yourself part of this church. I know some of you join us every week, or perhaps you um, have just not come back to church yet, but this message could be for you as well if you're paying attention. Even if you're part of another church, you may recognize this in yourself. So let's go to the message to the church in Philadelphia. Uh, so we have a city called Philadelphia, right? That's where the Declaration of Independence was signed, isn't it? Right? I think that's right. In Philadelphia, Connell Congress. No? Yeah, you don't know. <laughs> Maybe. Philadelphia, big statues there, like founding. What does Philadelphia mean? City of brotherly love. That's right. Um, and to the angel of the church in Philadelphia. Now, that doesn't mean that there is an angel delivering this message to the church, like an angelic being. That word angelos in Greek just means messenger. 
and the angels, which are another order of being, are God's messengers. But people like me, pastors, can be messengers too, even though we're not angels, and I am no angel. Trust me on that one. He who is holy, who is true, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, and who shuts and no one opens, says this. And the key of David goes back to a passage in the Old Testament where there was a caretaker in David's house that was trying to take advantage of uh, the temple. And God said, I'm taking your job away from you as caretaker, and I'm giving it to someone else, and I'm giving them this key that is going to be on their shoulder. And so the key of David, because David is the king from which Jesus' earthly uh, descent comes, this represents something that God is offering to those that are in Christ. This key of David is explained by the statement, what he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. This is a message, I think, for us here today. Um, We've been in existence for 22 years. We've been in downtown Garland since May of 2000. Well, actually, downtown Garland since, uh, since the fall of 2004, but in this building since May of 2007. So why are we still here? This is why I believe we're still here. I know your deeds. Behold, you have put before, behold I have put before you an open door which no one can shut. Because you have a little power and have kept my word and have not denied my name. And I think that is definitely the case for this church. We don't have a lot of power, but we have a little power. We have not denied his name. We've kept the doors open. We stayed faithful throughout the pandemic. And although various of us were impacted in different ways, uh, some of us came down with the, with the, uh, the coronavirus. Others of us were, uh, were affected uh, emotionally in certain ways. Some of us hung in there. And you've been coming ever since we could open the doors again. Uh, in May of 2020. Nonetheless, I think that this word is a word for us, and I think that there is an open door. Now, Pastor Craig has pointed out to me on numerous occasions that there are many churches in the downtown area, and there really are. Um, In a stone's throw of this church, there are five or six churches. So why are we here? We're here to represent Jesus, and we're here to have our doors open for those whom God will call to be a part of us. And we're here until the Lord says, leave. This is an open door. Nobody else can shut this door. Now, that includes the existence of this church. Uh, I've mentioned this to you before, but Barna Research uh, did a study when the pandemic first started that indicated that one in five churches would not reopen their doors. Now, I wonder... Uh, if that is uh, what has actually happened, if one in five churches have not been able to reopen their doors. But, you know, because the Lord has left an open door and because of your continued faithfulness, you know, you you come here one week and another week and sometimes it just doesn't look like many people are here and sometimes it does. And But, you know, your support is continuous and we're here. Amen. And we're not going anywhere because the Lord has opened the door And what the Lord opens, no human being can shut. Now, you can apply these things to yourself in a personal way. Uh, If God has called you to do something, uh, you can count on the fact that the enemy is going to come up against you. He's going to try to interfere with what you've been called to do. He's going to try to thwart that. And that may be an emotional thing, right? Uh, The enemy can come and, and make you feel dispirited and depressed and maybe even despair. But... You hang in there and you hold on to your faith in Jesus. And when you recognize that he has called you to do something, then you continue to do it until he calls you to do something else. Amen. See, if we just look at what we continue, what we consider to be success, 
then we can get discouraged. And I think many people were discouraged through, you know, 2020 uh, in what they experienced in their personal lives and in in other areas. But if you respond to the call of God, and I believe that this church exists because God called us into existence, um, then he is going to continue to provide as long as you are going to continue to pursue the call. And I also want you to know, uh, this is a statement that the Apostle Paul made about the Jewish people. Uh, this is in uh, Romans eleven twenty nine. It says the gifts and the call of God are irrevocable. See, once God makes that calling, you can turn your back. You can give up. You can choose to sit down and do nothing. But the gifts and the call of God are irrevocable. Once he brings that call, or I should say, perhaps sends that call out to you. And some of you are young and you're still trying to figure this whole thing out. But above all, we are called to follow Jesus. We are called to be like Jesus, right? And indeed, Romans 8, 28 says, all things work together for the good of those that are loving God, in love with God, who love God, and are called according to his purpose. And then the following verses inform us that that purpose is to make us like Jesus. So the fundamental call is not to a particular career, not to a particular uh, family situation. That's not the, the primary call. The primary call is to follow Jesus and become like Jesus. And then we do that with all of these other subsidiary and ancillary calls that we find in our lives, family and career and these other sorts of things. We're carrying the gospel wherever we go. Now, for me, it's more obvious. Um, I do all of these different events and activities around here to try to give you an opportunity to grow in your faith or to invite other people. I mean, we might just do something like a movie night, which we did this last Friday, and uh, kids showed up and enjoyed it, and it wasn't a preaching time. It was just a time to enjoy a, a, you know, a really, really kid-friendly, fun movie. Um, karate, that doesn't seem like something that would be a Christian activity or event, but I've been using it as an opportunity uh, to train kids up and to strengthen their faith and to strengthen their, uh, their sense of self-esteem and so forth for many, many years. And uh, so that's why I do that. I do it because it's a gift that I have. It's something that I know how to do. Um, I actually like kids. They're very, very interesting and it's encouraging to be around them and they're refreshing. Um, but I need to have something that I can do with them, right? I'm not their parent. And I'm not going to just walk into random kids' lives and start saying hi and, you know, listen to me and follow me. That's just not appropriate for really, even if you have kids, for any adult to invade someone else's uh, family situation. But if God's given you a gift and God's given you a call, he's given you that gift and that call to use. So for, for moms and, you, you know, you're trying your very best and doing your best to raise your kids and maybe you can sidle up alongside some other moms that are discouraged right now or having a hard time with their kids and give them a little advice on occasion, I'll post something on Facebook like I did yesterday. Uh, I encountered a, uh, uh, some advice from a seasoned uh, uh, counselor. Uh, she's a child therapist, uh, and uh, she said she'd been doing it for 30 years. And, and she gave like these 10 things you should do with your kids and 10 things you shouldn't do. with Well, you know, I'm just going to pass those things along. But see, you're a parent, and you can pass along your experience and your advice. What I'm trying to show you is that in all of these various areas, God has given you gifts and he's given you experience and he's going to open doors for you to minister to people. And you're going to be able to minister to people that I'm not going to be able to minister to. My job is not to minister to everybody. My job is to equip you to minister to the people in your life. Amen. 
And so you can walk through that open door that the Lord has for you. And that's what it means to be a church. That's what it means for us to be a church. So we have an open door and nobody's going to be able to close it. And at various times, even with our church, there have been those that have sought to close the door. But the door is not going to close until the Lord Jesus closes the door. Um, now, I'm not going to get into the other specifics of this passage. I'm, I'm really not trying to teach from these passages. I'm seeking to distill from them, to call from them what I believe the prophetic word for us is. And that word is, we're going to be here in downtown Garland until the Lord says, I'm closing that door and I'm, I'm opening, opening another door for you. I didn't think we would be in this building this long, but we're still in this building and we're here for a reason. We've got our place here on downtown on the corner of 6th and State, and we're going to be here until the Lord uh, calls us elsewhere. And by the way, that's a good principle for you to follow. I've said this for years, and I really got this from the, uh, the first youth minister that I was under. See, people get discouraged or somebody makes them mad, and they give up, right? People leave churches all the time because somebody makes them mad. We're all human beings, and we're all going to make mistakes. And at various times, we're all going to be unhappy with each other. But that happens in your family as well. This is, that's why divorce is such a huge problem in our country. Is people don't seem to be able to find ways of reconciling their differences, and so they just take off and they leave. But the message I have for you that I think is at least an application of this passage is don't go anywhere until God opens that door. And if you're feeling uncomfortable where you are, that could be a reason for you to start asking and seeking and knocking. Amen? And this could be your job right? Um, this could be your, you know, the, uh, the calling that you've been following in your life, as in one of these subsidiary callings that you've, you know, been following. I, for many years, did youth ministry. And now I look back at those days in the 90s and uh, how much I, I worked with youth, and I think I had brain damage back then. I just really do. Um, yeah, I, I think teenagers are awesome, but uh, I don't really want to work with them anymore. Um, <laughs> I still like being around them, and I like the ones that come to our church, but uh, I, I don't have that calling any longer. So God opened the door to start this church, and at first, I was just pretty much ministering to teenagers and young adults, but, you know, they grew older, and some came, and some left, and, you know, some are still here, and so forth, but this door has remained open. I'm using me as an example, and a church as an example, because I want you to understand something. We are a community. You apply these things in your personal life but we need to stop privatizing our faith, right? You have a personal relationship with Jesus, but you don't have a private relationship with Jesus. Those of you that are married, you have a private aspect to the relationship you have with your spouse, just like you have a private aspect to the relationship that you have with Jesus. But the reason that you got married in a public place in front of all your family and friends is why? Because marriage is public. It's personal, but it's public. It's very much lived out in front of everybody else, right? So that's your faith in Jesus, and that's your relationship with your church. It's public. You live it out. So I believe we have an open door. Now, I could end this message there, but I have a challenge for you, and this comes from the other church, the last church, the seventh church, the church at Laodicea. I want to see if you identify with what's going on there. To the angel of the church in Laodicea write, the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of creation of God says this, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. 
So because you're lukewarm and neither hot or cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Because you say I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing, and you do not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked, I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may become rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and that the shame of your nakedness will not be revealed and I salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. See, he says, to those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. Therefore, be zealous and repent. That's a big word there, be zealous. This is a lot like the advice or the command, really, to the church in Sardis to wake up, shake it awake. You need to get up, wake up, and start moving again. Here, he says, be zealous. You need to have some zeal behind your faith, right? Uh, I'm not sure what the, the Greek word is here. I should have looked it up. But there is a Greek word that is used over and over and over again in the New Testament, and it is the word spude. And it is not usually translated or always translated zeal, but it means to put some hustle in a particular thing, right? You need to get on the move. You need to do something about it. You see, we wait to be stimulated from the outside. We're, we're used to that in a consumer culture. We're looking for somebody to tickle our fancy, right? Uh, we're looking for somebody to sell us something. So this is why, I mean, everybody's in this business now. I watch YouTube all the time. Um, I don't watch regular TV anymore. But if you, I've said this before, if you pick the right stuff on YouTube, you get some fairly decent recommendations and get some interesting things. But I mean, the, the you know, the, the ways that these different uh, YouTubers get try to get your attention are, are crazy sometimes. Some of the stuff that they do is just outlandish, but they're trying to get your attention. And in a hyper-pluralistic culture like ours, where so many, we're just really worn out from having our attention grabbed. So there's nothing that, you know, scintillates us or thrills us anymore. That's why movies have to continue to push the edge further and further and further out there and do crazier and, and more outlandish stuff. Um, and I'm not going to mention some of the things that are going on out there. There are kids in the room. But nonetheless, that's why you need to shield your kids from a lot of this garbage that's going on. But see, everybody wants that attention. And it may be because they want that, uh, that monetization that comes from you watching their video. But one way or the other, I've told you before, this is the, the lure behind social media is that we're looking for approval. We're looking for attention. And it's a bummer when you post and nobody cares. Nobody can do that, right? And so, you know, we can just kind of think, well, you know, am, am I valuable? You're not valuable because a million people do that. You realize that, right? Uh, let me ask you this. Uh, I'll use a, a, a pop star from the past as an example. Do you think that Justin Bieber is more valuable than you? But he has 150 million followers on Twitter. That's a lot of people. He's an influencer. <laughs> so uh, I've been telling you guys about this, uh, this group, Maverick City Music, and uh, how they did this project with Elevation Worship called Old Church Basement. Get it, get it, get it. I don't get royalties off of this. You need to get it. It will, it will revive you unless you're just broken. All right. But nonetheless, one of the singers from that or worship leaders from that uh, I caught a piece of video and somebody just did this with their cell phone and Justin Bieber was at that church and he got up there on stage and he sat on a stool, right? And he was saying this, uh, do, you, do you guys know the song Gyra? Yeah. 
Okay, you're with it. The with the crew. I won't sing it. It would it would be bad if I sang. It. All right, but uh, he's over there. You know, he's and he's singing. You know, and he's got that really good high warbly voice and whatever. But you know, I'll be honest with you. He might be able to sing that. You know, pop music and whatnot. But it, it, the anointing is not there. The guy that normally sings that, whose name evades me right now, um, yeah. I just can sense the Holy Spirit all over that. Just because you've got a good voice doesn't mean that the Lord has, you've allowed the Lord to invade your life. Now, Beaver has this testimony going all the way back. We was raised with, by grandparents that were uh, basically Christians of some sort. But, you know, he's like a lot of, of celebrities. Um, you're going to see a whole lot of hot and cold when it concerns his relationship uh, with Jesus. Or maybe, should I say, a whole lot of lukewarm um, so the message here to the church at Laodicea is make a decision, Laodiceans. Be hot or be cold, but quit sitting in the middle because you make me sick. Now, for a long time, I've preached this in youth groups and so forth in, in the past, and I haven't preached on this in a long time. But uh, for a long time, I just thought that this meant you make me throw up. Because listen once again to what it says. He says, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were caught cold or hot. So because you're lukewarm and neither hot or, nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Now that sounds like he's saying, you make me want to throw up. But see, here's what I think. It's not just Jesus looking at a church outside of himself and saying, you make me sick. No, see, we're a part of Jesus. You realize that, right? We're a part of the body of Christ. Are you listening? What happens when something in your body becomes toxic? Woo, you throw up. Kids, have you ever thrown up? I know you have. Yeah. Ransom's thrown up. He's like, yep. Okay, it doesn't feel good while you're throwing up, does it? No. But you know what? Sometimes it feels good after you're done. You're like, oh. Glad I got that junk out of me. Your body is trying to eject this poison, right? You might eat some bad food. Um, and I don't mean bad cooking. I mean like poison, right? Uh, you might eat something that's just, just outright bad for you. Or, uh, you know, your body is trying to get rid of the stuff in your stomach for some other reason. But basically, it's taking what doesn't belong and getting rid of it. I hope you're paying attention. There's a lot of churches today that are becoming apostate. They're walking away from biblical Christianity and they're going to get hurled out of Jesus' mouth. But see, interestingly, he's not talking about those that have turned cold. That would be like someone that says, okay, I don't believe in God anymore. I'm an atheist. Or that would be like someone that says, you know what? I'm just going to go back out into the world and I'm going to sin and, and just be outrageous and unrighteous and whatever. See, that's cold, right? Somebody that turns their back on, on the Lord. And the Lord is saying here, I'd rather have that than your fake, lukewarm, middle of the road, fence riding religion. And this happened a couple of times in the Old Testament as well. Um, Isaiah and I want to say Malachi, uh, definitely Isaiah, said, I, I wish that you would close the doors. Just shut the doors because 
You are burning incense in vain. And that would be the equivalent of praying. That was their, their prayers. Your, your offerings are in vain. They're pointless. Your worship is pointless because there's no heart in it. You have no passion behind it. There's no faith in this. You're just going through the motions. Is that you? You see, I can tell you about this door that has been open and left open for you and for I. But see, I think many of us are more interested in hanging out or spending time on holiday than we are on mission and getting involved in mission. Now, for years, um, I took youth groups on ski trips. Um, it's, it's really, really cool to see pictures coming from out of Colorado, but I, I've taken youth groups to every major ski resort in Colorado. But we didn't just go ski. I taught them how to share their faith before we went out there. And some of them did make an effort to share their faith on the lifts. In fact, uh, one year we even tried to hand out these little flyers and invite people to come back. And we made cappuccinos for them. And we had this guy that was a really good singer and worship leader that you know sang for them and stuff. We were always trying to integrate mission even in our ski trips. And see, I know those of you that are part, a part of families that are mission oriented, you're like that. Your antenna is always up. You're trying to pay attention to how you can minister and who you can minister to, right? So um, the summer is a time for us to do holiday. The summer is a time for us to do vacation. But just because you're on vacation doesn't mean you're on vacation from God, amen? I'm called to mission. And what I need to seek is I need to seek that open door wherever I go. It might be at a gas station and you're filling up and you have an opportunity to talk to somebody else that's filling up, right? Or you might, you know, be at a Bucky's and you're waiting in line for your, your barbecue sandwich to be made and you know, you're talking to somebody else. You can always steer the conversation over to Jesus. You might be standing in front of little Bucky, you know, doing your selfie like that and somebody else comes up and, Listen, if you're open to the Lord using you, you can always find ways to step through that open door and to share rather than trying to take a vacation from God. So make a decision today as to whether you want to be the people that are a part of the mission of this church. And I want all of you to do that. I want all of you to be a part of what we're doing. But what must first happen is you need to get that passion back. You need to get that love for the Lord back. You need to wake up from the spiritual stupor that some of you find yourselves in. And that can involve a lot of different things, but essentially we're talking about repentance here. We're talking about having a change of heart, right? And once I have a change of heart, then there's a whole lot of things that I'm participating in that just don't seem to be very important anymore, and they just all kind of fall away. So I don't have a specific list of things that you need to repent of today or anything like that. I just wanted to present the message from these churches to you because I think that, I believe that they are messages to us. They are messages to Life Will Church. Do you love Jesus? Rekindle your faith. Come back alive. Become hot again. Have a passion for the Lord. These are decisions that you make. Don't wait for something to stir you up. As uh, the scripture said last week, kindle afresh the gift that is within you. You kindle. The wood is already there. The fire is already there. What's happened is the, uh, the fire has died down. Now, those of you that are campers, 
You go out there and you, you, you build a, a fire and you got that thing going. You got to poke it periodically, don't you? Otherwise, what happens is those logs just kind of all fall in and it suffocates the, uh, the flame. And if you leave it long enough, then the flame goes out. So kindle afresh the gift of God that is within you. If there is a fire, it's still there, but you need to poke it. And hopefully what I've been doing the last three weeks is exactly that, poking that fire in you and getting you now here, take the stick and poke that fire in you and let it spring back to life because the Lord has many, many more things in store for you. We've only just begun. Amen.